You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. On today's show, we'll be talking about some games played, followed by some games that we're looking forward to, and we will give to you some poorly described games, followed by our top three, or bottom three, games we should like but don't. This is episode 27 and we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Christo. I'm Justine. All right. I got an update. Remember last show I was talking about the city collection from Queen Games, some Steffenfeld games? Yes. Yep. I said uh, that Amsterdam was a re-theming of Macau, but I failed to realize that Hamburg is actually a re-theming of Bruges. Oh, wow. Yeah, huh. so we're getting a, another edition of Bruges. I, like, I don't know why Bruges hasn't had a reprint or second edition. Seems like a really popular game that's been out of print for a long time, but now we have the re-theming. Yeah, I had kind of forgotten about that game. I played it one time, someone else's copy, uh, a few years ago. And I think I liked it, actually. I'm not sure if... Uh, so I was super crazy about it. It was memorable enough. But yeah, interesting. Maybe another chance for people who don't have Bruges to get it now. That's like my exact memories of Bruges is I think I liked it. I think I played it with you actually at the coffee mm. shop a couple years ago. Our old host, Jacob, had it. Could have been a different time, but I thought you were there. Maybe that's a different time. I remember playing it in a different place, but uh, when the board game meetup was meeting in this other cafe a long time ago, locally here where we live. Uh, yeah, I think this is cool. Have you played it, Justine? Bruges? Bruges? Yeah. Yeah. Do you own it? Yeah, we play it. We own it. What's Sometime your... when we can actually like meet. Yeah. We can What's your address it. and what time do you guys usually go to bed? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, and do you have the expansion, by the way? That oh, yeah. Maybe like it doesn't even no, matter. You just like expansion. <laughs> it just you just rush it for the expansion. I think the expansion is even more rare, right? Uh, that that's the joke there. I think um, so. Yeah. If if I remember correctly, it's even more out of print. They have like minus copies. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> yeah. You have to no. I mean. Them. I think I saw it at like uh, for sale at SaltCon or something, and I was just gonna buy it just because it's rare. I wasn't even sure if I was gonna like it or something, but then like the seller immediately pulled it. I bet it's someone who like didn't realize what they were actually selling. Oh, I think yeah. it was like for some kind of like not what you'd expect expect price, kind of too low. Have yeah. you guys ever seen a uh, a board game, and I mean like uh, a designer board game documentary? Mm, no, no i don't think so there's not many right one recently released called game master and i checked it out it's on amazon uh you could buy or rent it and it's relatively cheap too and it's an interesting documentary it's uh, it just came out this year and it's following four designers among other things but four designers uh, a designer that's designing a game called Arranged, about arranged marriages. A designer who is trying to get his design funded called Thug Life. And then a designer <laughs> <laughs> that just published this game um, 
ray guns and rocket ships, and then a successful designer of exploding kittens. So as it's following them, it's also describing the industry, kind of the behind the scenes stuff, you know, of like how design happens and kind of just different things at the industry. It goes into Essen, the the con, talks to some well-known designers like Bruno Catala and Rainer Knizia. And I have to say, like, he's the highlight of the, the, the documentary. That guy's like all smiles. You could tell he's super passionate about game design. So I would suggest to check it out, especially if you're a designer. I wanted to like it more. This is good for the for the, our list here. <laughs> yeah. Documentaries we should like, but don't. Uh, but it was like really focused on the designing and like the trials and tribulations of designing, which I'm not really that interested in. I would suggest a movie called Going Cardboard, which is more about games and players and cons and just kind of a general of these designer games. But it's old, and I was hoping for like an updated version of that. But yeah, I mean, keep those on your radar. Going Cardboard, I would definitely suggest Game Master if you're a designer. But I thought I should mention on the show because it's about games. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, sounds interesting, but it also sounds like they focused on kind of lighter games. I wish someone would do a really kind of professional documentary and hit maybe just like the super famous designers like Stefan Feld and Reiner Knizia. I guess it sounds like they did uh, interviews with Reiner Knizia, but the focus was maybe elsewhere. Um, yeah, I I would love to have a super professional documentary with like the really big names and maybe like Simon or whatever, or like, you know, just uh, big publishers as well and really well done. That that would be really cool to see. Same. Um, and I, I should note that Bruno Catala and Reiner Knizia is a small presence in it. And yes, the games, the designers of these particular games are not games that I'm personally interested in. So it was less interesting that way because I, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Also, uh, for those of you that don't know, the Spielis Yaris has announced its winners. The nominees for that was My City, Nova Luna, and the winner, Pictures. Nice. I I haven't played any of these games yet. None. Yeah, definitely. I haven't played any of them. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm interested in pictures, so that like raises my interest. Not that I really care about Spiel des Jahres because I think they sometimes make really weird choices. So I don't know, like, uh, yay, it won. Like, I want to play it now, you know? I'm not yeah. sure if that's really... Well, especially in recent times, right? Because, I mean, last yeah. year was just one. It's a great game. That's a great game, but it's like a party game. And yeah. it just seems like... Spiel des Jahres is like, um, like it's supposed to be game of the year. That's how it translates, right? But it's more family game of the year is really what they put emphasis on. And of course, party games are going to be good for families, right? That just seems like the obvious choice. I just feel like they need to get a new category, which is party games, and they could stop being in this, what I would like to see a little bit more serious of a, uh, yeah, an award. Definitely. But speaking of serious award... I guess, or more serious, Kenner Spiel. Uh, nominees were Cartographers, King's Dilemma, the winner was The Crew. I've actually played all of these games. Yep. 
and I think the crew is a great decision. That's a that's my favorite game out of the three. Yeah, it's kind of weird that they're Kennerspiel. I'm not sure how Kennerspiel the yeah. crew is, to be honest. It's yeah. kind of uh, we actually played it. Uh, just seen and Matt brought their copy, and uh, yeah, I don't think it's super heavy at all. It's actually kind of a pretty straightforward game, so it's kind of weird. But maybe they didn't have a lot of I don't know. Their criteria is weird. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, what did you guys play the early missions or the later? We missions? We kind of played all over the place missions. Um, okay. So yeah, we, we didn't really do like a campaign. We just kind of jumped around. Basically, we played like the first, the last, and like a few random in between ones. So yeah. kind of weird. Yeah, I'm pl- I'm playing through the campaign. Um, the last one you guys skipped to the very last one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know if Justine wants to talk about it, but yeah, that's funny. Yeah the the second to last one's probably the hardest one. I think the last one wasn't that difficult, but it might have just been the cards we got dealt. Were you going to talk yeah. about this on games played, Justine? No. Did you say you are not? You're not talking about it on games played, right? I wasn't planning on it, no. Okay, because I just wanted to ask you, have you played it two-player with Matt? Yeah, we played it two-player, and with the uh, dummy, we just found it kind of easy. Yeah, yeah, that that is kind of true. I like the dummy. I think it's really cool. I think the you don't know what cards he has until you play other cards, and only one player is controlling him. I guess you could, yeah. you could talk, though, right? There's no... There's no rules against talking as long as you're not talking about like certain cards. Anyway, yeah. I thought I thought for a co-op trick-taking game, two-player variant was actually pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I was glad to see a two-player variant in a co-op. And I like the idea of a co-op trick-taking game. I think those are really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, as far as criteria, like Christo was saying about the Kinnerspiel, it's a, like cartographers some really pretty simple flip and right king's dilemma just a weird game i don't know i'm always going to pay attention to these as far as like who won oh interesting okay and it's not gonna it's not gonna like make me go buy games or want to play them even more if they win to be honest it doesn't affect me i think it's a good barometer for like where we're headed as a as a hobby because the games that win tend to get like emulated. That is true. So I, that's kind of why I pay attention. Also the designers get highlighted. Mm-hmm. I think it makes it easier for them to design their next game as far yeah. as like getting published. So you kind of want your favorite designers to win. It's kind of amazing. Actually. I think uh, the crew is first time design if i remember correctly i think i was reading in the rule book that's like uh just about the designer and i think it's his first game right i don't know sounded like his first game just kidding i'm looking at his profile he has a few others but i think it's his first maybe like a little more serious game he's done some kind of children's games maybe or uh abstract games it looks like previously so first game he designs, he gets Kennerspiel. That's <laughs> yeah. cool. Weird. That is pretty pretty cool, but maybe you gotta pay your dues. 
Oh my gosh, did you know the crew actually has an expansion coming? I didn't even realize, but <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it's more missions. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's just probably, missions. Yeah. yeah, and it's a spiel bug. It's not a super real expansion. It's just a small one. It's probably is it just like oh, okay. a is it just like a booklet full of missions? And yeah, I think they published it on the website already. I was actually looking at that. With this one, you could actually sit there and just like design your own mission. Yeah, you can just make it up. How many are, are there? Is there fifty? Yeah. Is that okay? I'm not making that up, right? In the official rule bo- uh, booklet, at least I think there's like other ones now, but fifty regular. Was the last yeah, one like super sure. duper tough? Uh, actually, I think the last one is not super duper tough. I think the second to last one is a lot tougher. Uh, the last one is just kind of whatever. I think it's actually a breeze. Uh, maybe the theme is like, yay, you finally like just have a celebration of how awesome your campaign was. But the second to last one was uh, kind of challenging. And we actually didn't do it. But anyway. Yeah, I think the last one is, it comes down to whether you get the right cards in the right people's hands. Because the lot, well, I guess I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, it's basically, did you get dealt correctly? Oh, gotcha. All right, well, let's get into some games that we've played. Yes. All right, so the first one I want to talk about is Sanctum. Sanctum is the most recent CGE game. Um, it, the theme is a dungeon crawl. However, mechanics, not so much. What you're doing in Sanctum is you're doing either three things. One of three things in your turn. You're either moving and collecting demons, fighting, or resting. When you move, you simply move to the next spot that's available, sometimes leapfrogging over your opponents. That space is going to tell you how many and what type of demons to add. Then you take a group of demons, which a group could be just a single card, and the demons come on cards, and you put it on your tableau, and that's it. When you fight, you roll dice, and these demons on these cards are asking for certain pips to win. Exact. So not, not over. Just right on the number. So if you have a demon that says a three dice on it, you have to roll a three. But you can mitigate these dice with your tableau. Your tableau has your character on it. And it has various spots on it like his helmet, like armor on his chest. Or her. You could be a guy or a girl. Uh, weapons and boots. These spots have colored spots on them, like red and blue. I think it's focus and stanima. I think that's what they call them. Anyway, you have these discs in your pool, these um, transparent discs of blue and red. And some of the spots are purple, which means you could put a blue or red in it. And you're basically just manipulating the dice in various ways. If you partially kill or partially wound the demon... Uh, they're going to deal damage back to you in which you do the same thing, move these transparent discs over to, to block hits. If you defeat them, then you flip the card over. Actually, first what you do is you have, you have your tableau that has this almost tech tree on it. It's just a number of like tiles and cards in these like rows and columns. And they have little colored cubes on them. And what you're doing is you're trying to move these cubes 
off of these spaces. And once they're off, then this special ability becomes available to you. And these special abilities are pretty strong. So you definitely want to do this throughout the game. Now, how you do it is the demons will have colored cubes on them to show you which cubes to move. And you could pick any tile you want to move them. However, if you move the bottom one and the bottom ones are going to be the most powerful abilities, you're also moving those up to other tiles that are going to make it a little harder because now you have more cubes on that upper tile. The first row, if you move them off of them, they go into your supply. So eventually you're moving these things up, getting your special abilities available to you and getting these cubes available to you. Because the demon will flip after that and the demon becomes equipment. And the equipment is bought during the rest period with these cubes that you've pushed up. And then you could put the, this equipment on your tableau, making your abilities stronger. When you rest, you just clear off all your board and you buy equipment and then you move on. This is what you're doing throughout the whole game until you come to the big boss and then it kind of changes the game a little bit becomes almost a solo game not almost almost exactly a solo game you have all these demon cards or the demon the big baddie on your own tableau and you're moving your character on them you defeat them then you flip and then it does something bad to you and then you move on and you just keep rolling your dice and now you can't rest so you better have built up your person very strongly because if you lose all your health you die you're out of the game but also your health is your points so if you're the last person standing you'd win the game if you're not if multiple people survived then how much health is going to be who wins and then if you're tied there's these achievement awards that you win throughout the game and whoever has the most of those win um, the game is really interesting, really cool, and it's the same designer of Adrenaline, and it kind of has that, that feel. I don't mean it's like Adrenaline at all. I mean that it feels thematic, and it has some Euro elements to it, but it's like really mixed heavily with sort of a Meritrashy type game. And it's almost a game I don't like, but I just think it's really unique and kind of cool. But here's the thing. I would never play this game with more than two players because there's no planning. You can't plan because you're rolling dice. You don't know what you're going to roll, right? And watching the other player roll dice and decide where they're going to move these discs at isn't that interesting. So... I wouldn't want to watch several people do it before my turn and it would bog the game down. It's about an hour and a half with me and my wife playing super fast. So it would be, I think, around three hours with a four-player game and really boring in between turns. So I like this game. I'm keeping this game, but I'll never play with more than two. It's a two-player game in my, in, in my opinion. Just like Through the Ages, just like CGE's game Through the Ages. I probably would never even play with three, only two. So, hmm. that's Sanctum. 
Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I I'm surprised. Um, in a, in some games, they have the same problem where you can't pre-think about your turns, and uh, usually the game kind of has to be lighter for that to be acceptable. Mm -hmm. To me, I'm surprised they don't just let you. Is there a reason that they don't let you just pre-roll your dice, or like I don't know? Uh, do you have to wait to see what happens? You know, that's kind of what I'm wondering about in that game in Sanctum. I just kind of question the decision to make you wait uh, to roll your dice. You just can't do it before for some reason. I mean, I guess you could roll your dice and not do anything with them because there's achievements. You just kind of start thinking, you know, on other yeah. people's turns. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. In fact, maybe that should have been included in the rules. Like you could roll and start thinking because that way you're not bored watching other people and yeah. you don't get too much AP happening because that this game could definitely cause that because there's many different routes you can go so yeah that might be yeah. something to try yeah it's interesting I, like i say i i think a lot of games nowadays are really kind of focused especially if they're heavy on um kind of letting you think and the ones that i don't mind playing for a longer time is when i can think on my turn like um actually i'll talk about it later but um there is a game where I didn't really mind how long people are taking because I can just think on my turn and um, it's actually the next game I've played. But uh, the first game I played is Anachrony. Uh, we just played it yesterday actually, so kind of fresh on my mind. I was expecting kind of going into the game to be this really huge bloat of a game because I'd heard about just kind of uh, scary things like the game going on for really a long time, a lot of components, a lot of AP, just like all these kind of really bad things about the game. But actually at least our experience or our play was pretty like streamlined, kind of actually kind of way easier than I expected as far as uh, AP and just kind of what you can do. Uh, not really like an easy game per se, but it wasn't as beastly as I was expecting by any means. Um, it kind of actually reminded me now that I was thinking about it today of above and below. It has kind of a similar mechanic of you have a pool of workers and they can do different things. I'm not sure which one was inspired by which, if at all. Um, but you have different types of workers. Uh, maybe a, a Manhattan Project as well, we're talking about it. Because um, those are games where you have kind of like a personal tableau where you can place workers. So it's a worker placement game where um, the theme is a little weird, but it involves time travel. Um, I'm not sure how sold I am on the concept of time travel because you can only really do it in the like towards the past so um, and the whole thing is to fix things that you borrow from the future so it's kind of really kind of a loan system in my opinion but i guess it kind of fits with the theme and it works and whatever if you want to think of it as time travel that's just really cool uh the game has a really unique kind of art style which i really like um presentation is really nice uh, the board's really clean and like futuristic but it's like kind of this weird futuristic where there's four factions and anyway there's a whole story um on the game and actually the rule book has an intro paragraph and they direct you to a website where you can read the rest of the story uh so you can get involved in the lore of a worker placement game if you want for me it's kind of just the paragraph intro was fine uh but like i say not really that beastly of a game in my opinion um 
it has like a worker awake and asleep mechanic kind of uh that's what reminded me of above and below some kind of planning of there's a central board like i said and uh, are you going to get the actions that you want? So you should kind of ready probably specific workers in these exosuits that they go into. But with all that planning involved, I didn't really find it, like I say, overwhelming. It was just kind of um, pretty straightforward, streamlined experience, and it didn't even take that long. I think we had some rules questions which kind of prolonged it, but I would say the game was like two and a half hours or something. And I bet... Um, you can get a two-player game, uh, not, not a two-player, a four-player game in two hours approximately without any issues as long as everyone keeps pretty good pace and everyone's up on the rules. Um, we had some things that we had to look up and just weird questions, but that slowed us down. But yeah, actually, uh, I think it's a pretty fun game. Um, I enjoyed it actually a lot. It was just kind of really fun to play, uh, kind of refreshing. I, I was thinking actually that it's kind of like a Manhattan Project, but without all the like confrontational parts of it. Uh, the only confrontational parts are really just kind of blocking and uh, racing for certain things. So unlike Manhattan Project, where I think that's a little bit more confrontational in, in like the warfare theme of it and just kind of some things that can get taken away from you and stuff. Um, anachrony is just kind of more Euro blocky in that way. So uh, if I only, if my, my only, and it's been one place, so I don't even know, but the only so-called criticism I can think of is I'm not sure if everything is super well balanced. There's these endgame goals which can just kind of align with certain factions better, I think. Uh, we had a pretty good variety, actually, so I'm not sure if it's an issue, but I can see like some game where because your faction can do something better than other factions like it kind of just aligns with the end game goals better and maybe there should be some kind of an auction for faction combos at the beginning like uh lorenzo or something but regardless of potential balancing or whatever issues i think the game is actually a lot of fun just to play and i'm kind of not really uh, I was kind of scared of just a bloated, horrible experience. I'm not really even scared to introduce it to new people. Uh, it's not that much of a game um, as I thought. And there's actually so, a lot of kind of modules, which I, I was thinking are going to be just kind of like, <laughs> we're probably never going to play the base game enough to play with them. But I think they're actually going to be very relevant for future plays because they're not really probably that much to add. I think the base game is approachable enough to where you can just kind of add them and play with them anyway. So overall, pretty much a lot of fun, actually. I, I really liked it. Uh, it's been like a long time since I've wanted to play it, but I finally got to play it, Anachrony. Yeah. Uh, we also played with the miniatures, by the way, and the funny thing is they actually add to gameplay, in my opinion. They kind of facilitate, you have to put workers on top of tokens and kind of like move this like hamburger of a worker and a token oh, yeah. otherwise. Uh, but the miniatures actually have slots in them to where you can just like slot your worker in and just kind of pick up the miniature. So it just kind of facilitates the board being less messy and things are more visible and kind of nicer. So one of the very few games which actually miniatures are part of the the gameplay itself i would say and just kind of improve the experience 
Yeah, I think it's rough to do time travel in board games. And I think that's why Prospero Hall decided against it in the Back to the Future game. But you know yeah. what a game I think does really good at time travel is Time Chase. You know, the trick-taking game. Because you're actually yep. going back in time and fixing things that are affecting the game. So thematically, I thought it, that worked really well as far as time travel goes. Yeah, no, there's practical things like uh, usually you go to the past in those games because if you start going to the future, then it branches out and the game just gets really weird. And I don't know if that you can really do that in a board game format to your point. So I think a lot of games choose to let you do let you go to the past, but not in the future so much because if you go to the future, then you create like alternate futures and you have to play like three future games, which I don't know how that's going to work out really. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's an interesting problem, but. Uh, there actually have been kind of experiments with time travel. I remember some other game which I never played, but the reviews of it weren't very good. Um, had like a board with lines connecting things, if I remember correctly. But interesting, interesting idea to do time travel. Not so practical to do in board games, I think. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a great game, though. I really enjoyed playing it. Yeah, yeah, really good. Overall, really positive experience. Oh, I won't talk about my experience with that game. It was horrible, but it had nothing to do with the game whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first game of this I played took 20 bazillion years, but that was, yeah, not the game's fault. Um, so this week, Matt and I kind of went back through our collection and started playing two-player games, like specifically designed two-player games. We're a couple weeks late because that was like a few podcasts ago. Um, but what prompted this is we bought Cairn, which is a newish uh, two-player chessy style game. So in Cairn, you have the the water druids or shamans, I'm not sure, druids, and the tree druids. And basically, you have five on each side. Your goal is to either create formations that will... Um, knock out your opponent's druids or to hop off the edge of the map on their side. Um, I think it's really neat because the movement system for this game is you have three tiles and they tell you how you can move. So one tile will tell you you can move uh, orthogonally but once someone does that it'll flip over and so now instead of being able to move orthogonally you can only move uh, diagonally. There's another tile that lets you move, you, lets you jump. One side is you can jump a friendly piece. The other side is you can jump an enemy piece. And the last side, the last tile lets you put people on the board. And where you get to put people on the board changes depending on how it's flipped. So not only are you balancing the moves you want to make, but you're also trying to balance the moves you don't want to allow your opponent to make. Um, and... It, I just really like this style of game. It reminds me a little bit of Onitama, which is a game where similarly you have cards that tell you the ways that your pieces can move, but once you use it, you have to give that to your opponent. Um, it, I don't know. I like these maybe a little bit better than chess just because they feel a little bit more alive, but it's just a really fun puzzle trying to figure out Oh, like this move would win me a point, but it would allow my opponent to win a point as well. Um, the heart and soul of Karen really comes in when you 
uh, play with the monoliths. They're tiles that get put out on the board that do things. And they do like crazy things. So one might be you can flip uh, one monolith with another, even if there's a piece on it. So that piece moves around the board. Um, you can take enemy pieces off the board. Um, you can move enemy pieces onto tiles that will just then remove that piece. Um, so it becomes a really fun, chessy, manipulative game. And you score three points and that's it. So it also lasts 20 minutes, 30, if everyone's thinking really hard. I think it's a great game. And it did make me jump back into like Onitama and Santorini and some of the other sing or like two player chessy type games. Yeah, I'm looking at it and it looks very Onitama like five by five grids. Uh, but you say it's points, right? It's not just like a sudden death like Onitama where you just lose in one move or a sequence of moves. Yeah. You get points from like majorities or something or doing certain things. Yeah, no, it looks really cool. The art is really nice as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's plastic uh, pieces. It's neat. Yeah, I thought I thought it looked cool. I was looking at this actually uh, last week, and I think you're right. The first time, I think it's Shaman, and that for some reason I was like, that's really cool. Even though I doubt it comes through very very much in the gameplay, but yeah, this looks cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you liked it because uh, I, I I was thinking about trying it out i highly recommend it all right so um i played era medieval age which is said to be a spiritual successor to roll through the ages roll through the ages uh by matt leacock um so this game is a roll and build game so you're rolling dice and you're building stuff your tableau is this plastic thing that has like uh, holes in it so the buildings are like pegs that you kind of put in whole lot of buildings whole lot of plastic buildings um so you roll dice and it's kind of yahtzee style where you roll and you could re-roll some up to three times except there's going to be skulls which lock in your dice but luckily these skulls aren't alone they have some other stuff on it so it's not all bad uh you go through some phases which is like roll then you could gain resources. Then you could build. Then you have to deal with your opponents, which might be the only negative that I have toward the game. And then you deal with the skulls, which could be bad for you. They could be bad for your opponents, depending on how many skulls you have. The buildings that you build, they might give you special abilities. They might uh, give you some... Oh, you have to feed your workers as well. So your dice are your, are, are your workers and you have a food supply that will be going up and down. So you might build a farm that produces two food every time you gain resources or a wood mill that gives you wood every time you get resources. Or the building sometimes give you more dice, which this could be good because you could get more stuff, but you also have to feed those workers too those dice um also some of these buildings are going to be in-game scoring depending on what you do throughout the game and the 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 dealing with your partners your your opponents um that is done with swords so i compare on my turn my swords to everyone else's swords 
And if I have more swords than you, then I steal a resource, meaning you take one of your resources away and I get one. Resources is tracked by these little pegs as well on your board. So I played this two player, which that aspect of it wasn't that bad because it was either nothing happens because we match swords or there's also defense that you could roll some shields. So, you know, my opponent rolled three swords. I have four shields, so they, they don't do anything to me and I don't do anything to them. Or it's like, oh, I have to give up one resource. Kind of sucks, but it's not that bad. I haven't played this as a four player game, but I imagine it could be really bad for the player that rolled one sword or zero swords for no fault of their own and everybody steals a resource from them so i'm losing three resources and everyone's gaining resources so i could imagine that would be really bad but as a two-player game it was fine this game is uh it's pretty neat i played it solo as well the solo game is not that interesting but it doesn't have the sword mechanism it's one of those solo variants that you just play and you see how many points you get. Like that's not that exciting to me. I'd like it rather if there's like a an AI in there. But the game is uh it's pretty good. Like I liked it. I liked my my two player game of it. I, I'm waiting to play three and four to see how that plays. The person that I played wanted to see the more interaction with those swords, but I really don't. I'm not looking forward to that aspect of it. But it has this uh, area enclosure aspect to it, too, where you could build walls as well. And every single building in the game is going to be points. Most of the, the buildings that give you stuff are going to be only like one or two points, so not that big. And then the end game stuff, they could be really big points. They're going to take a lot of resources, so it's going to take you a while to get them into play. But then if you enclose these buildings, any of the buildings, with walls... Uh, you'll double the points that's within these walls. So uh, some good decisions, some luck, obviously, but a lot of mitigation because some of the abilities let you do certain things. Like on your second roll, you could set any die to anything that you want. That's a good building to have. And you could have multiple of these buildings too. So, I mean, you could build maybe four of these buildings and put four dice to whatever you want and play what <laughs> play, you know, however you want. But those are like really expensive so i don't know if you'll be getting those in uh in the beginning of the game the game ends depending on the pl number of players how many buildings disappear so if a, if a type of building disappears then you just flip over this token which has an x and three x's in a two-player game will end the game you finish out the round tally up your points so pretty good for me uh i enjoyed it another game that i think i would only rather play two but it goes up to four and that's era medieval age which i imagine maybe they're gonna have more maybe a bronze age like roll through the ages did but i don't know the name mm. suggests it yeah i saw the game during SaltCon actually and it had a lot of table presence so it's kind of easy to be like "Ooh, what is this kind of interested in those kind of games when you walk around um what i heard is kind of what you're saying is yeah the sword interaction could be just really bad and some people really hated it and maybe i was concerned i'd be one of those people i actually wanted to try the game on uh, tabletop simulator but no one kind of wanted to play it for a while but yeah, maybe maybe I try it sometime. Yeah, I would suggest too. Or not. Um, yeah. Also, the boards. So there was some complaints about the boards. Like, 
it's really hard to see the resources because it's all just one color. And yeah. some people were washing them, like priming them and doing a wash over it so they could bring out uh, the symbols on it. But my copy came with a bag taped to the back of it. So I don't know if they're going to start doing this for future copies, but it has stickers. So you put stickers on all the boards so you could clearly see everything. So that's no longer a problem. So that's nice. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, I played Trismegistus this week, uh, another game I played. I've played it previously. Um, I'm not sure if I really played it right. The first time I read the rulebook for the game was really a horrible experience because they use a lot of terminology and the game is really kind of complicated and the theme is kind of just really weird. And I really kind of, maybe I wasn't in the mood to read it either, but <clears throat> I just had a really tough time with the rulebook uh, the first time I, I went to it. But now that I've actually played it two or three times, um i actually went back to reread the rule book just because i wanted to just uh remind myself of the rules uh, to be ready to play with everyone else and i didn't find the rule book to be actually that bad this time um it kind of flowed a lot better now that i know how to play the game obviously and i think um, i've previously made mistakes playing the game because the rule book is kind of also just kind of bad i would say not bad but it's easy to miss certain things so i think maybe this is the first play time i've actually played the game completely correctly which is just strange um maybe but uh, i think it's maybe the game that gives me probably the most kind of a specific brain burn of uh, just kind of planning future moves. Um, I don't know if I realized it during the game, but after game I was like, wow, this was just, just crazy thinking and my head's like physically hot, I think, after I play the game. Uh, so there's just this crazy kind of um, almost AP... Um, inducing experience and that's the game actually where i was saying i don't mind other people taking a long time because there's so much to think about and the planning of the game makes it so that you can think towards the future so if someone's taking a really long turn it's really just zero problem whatsoever because you're planning for these like kind of sequences of things of resource conversions um i guess we've probably talked about it before but just what is the game you're kind of having this like alchemist like brawl or something um it's kind of weird it's not an alchemist competition so there's these alchemists which i think don't even fit in the same era but uh they've uh gathered together throughout time to have a competition to figure out who's the best alchemist the theme is just like who even cares i guess but it actually does come through uh, i mean the whole game is about converting these uh, alchemical elements into other elements or just a refined version of the elements uh, that you get and then fulfilling these experiments which is kind of basically it's a bunch of uh, dice drafting to do resource conversions to do kind of recipe fulfillment and there's some end game goals mixed in um I think I probably had like my best game ever playing that game this uh, this time. I still think the only, and it's kind of a significant criticism for me, unfortunately, there's two things which kind of still bother me about the game. I guess the more you play, the less impactful they are, but they're still just kind of really um, 
annoying to me is there's these cards which flip uh which kind of are a little bit lucky in my opinion because you're locked to getting us one of what is it five cards uh per die that you draft and you only draft uh exactly nine dice in the game and these are kind of the recipes that you're working on so i think there's some luck there of a specific card flips which is better for you and you can do um, as opposed to a different card somewhere else i mean that's kind of comes with the hardcore planning of the game and just kind of being aware of what you can do with your board and just kind of getting the right cards at the right time but that's something i kind of dislike is uh just kind of those card flips where a certain card can be easier for you than another card or just better for you or have like a better engine component to the beginning of the game and that's just all luck the other type um of card flips are the end game goals you can get these end game goals and you draw to keep one and some of those can definitely work a lot better for you than others and that's unfortunately all luck as well but the game overall is like i say really brain burning really just a lot of effort to play well um just really just kind of a lot of pressure to not make any mistakes whatsoever really kind of high consequences of mistakes just really just kind of a heavy game i guess altogether and i'm not sure if the only thing is i'm not sure if i appreciate the kind of lucky aspects of what could happen with it but overall i think actually my opinion of the, of the game has probably kind of improved over time i'm still not sure if it's like even a game that i would like to own but at least i'm fine playing it like once in a while i wasn't super crazy about it at first but it's kind of grown on me a little bit um it just kind of gives me a feeling of just like oh my gosh like uh one and a half hours of just my brain exploding uh every time i see it which sometimes i like sometimes i don't like so much if i'm tired but it's definitely an effort so that's uh trismegistus um i think it's called trismegistus the ultimate formula or something if i remember correctly is that a tashini game yeah okay uh with someone else i think so it's him and someone else if i remember correctly uh yeah i really like trismegistus i think it's a really fun game yeah um, i should play this but i probably won't and i'll talk about that later <laughs> <laughs> Is so that a dare <laughs> just kidding sorry oh yeah this I'll get week. I'll get you to play it, Brandon. <laughs> Probably. I'm actually curious what you're gonna say about it because I I think you should actually try it at least once. So I think it's worth trying just to see kind of what they did. Sorry, Justin. Yeah, going. definitely. It's okay. Um, this week, Matt and I had a little bit of extra time on our hands, so we have been playing through our board game collection, um, in our own little special way. Um, and one of the games wait, we wait, were able what's to... the special way? You can't just oh. leave us hanging. Okay. Um, so we do, we call them triplets because there's two of us and then, um, we use our Amazon Alexa. And I know there's a whole debate about privacy with this, uh, but whatever. Um, so one of us picks a game. And the other, then after we play that game, the next person picks the game. And then we actually have a skill on our Alexa that um, she connects to our BGG account. 
and so she can pull a game at random. So we so you say like with- Alexa, pick a board game at random. Yeah, exactly. And then Ask it'll say board gamer to recommend a board game is the code for. And it, then it'll but- name some board game you forgot you had in your collection that you don't like. <laughs> yeah well and that's how we know it's time to sell a game when she suggests something and we go oh yeah it's a good way to get rid of some games yeah <laughs> so okay so you guys um, take turns picking games and then let alexa pick one yeah yeah and that's interesting it, because sometimes like after you have had a game on your shelf for a really long time you kind of forget about it so like one example oh, is this week we ended up playing uh fresco i think which is like an old game we've had forever and ever and ever. That's a great game. We just never pull it off the shelf because we never think about it. I, I, used, I used to do something like this with me and my wife. I had this like free app that was just a randomizer. So you could put whatever you want in there. And I put my, I took a long time, put my entire collection in there. And when we would try it every single time, I'd be like, no, nah, I don't feel like that game. No, not that one. <laughs> oh, I forgot I had that. Yeah, not that one. Uh, and we, never used it in that way yeah i think yeah i mean part of it for us is sort of like we have to play what she suggests um unless it's like something we really hate and then yeah it goes in the pile to sell if we're just like oh i never want to play that game again yeah but Um, you guys have probably a better collection than i do i buy a lot of crap (laughs) if i'm being honest with myself (laughs) We have we have some some crap in our collection. <laughs> Just yeah, um, but it's it's really neat because we get to play. We kind of get to go a little bit wide, but at the same time, we get to play the games we really want to play. Um, I really enjoy doing triplets with Matt because, like I said, we get to pull off games that I never thought about playing. Um. We ended up playing uh, Dinosaur Island this week. And I mean, that's a game that I bought and I was really excited about. And I played it a couple times and it was really good. And then it just got overshadowed by a hundred other things. It's a really fun game. It, um, it really, it's Jurassic Park the board game, I would say. Um, I'm sure there is a real Jurassic Park the board game. Oh, you don't want to play it though. It's called Danger. I have. I'm looking at it. It's on my shelf. That, yeah. So I do buy <laughs> crap games. <laughs> you really don't want to play it. I'm looking at it on my shelf. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I I figured. I tend to be really skeptical of any game that comes from like a well-established IP. But mm-hmm. Dinosaur Island is just fun. Like the the aesthetic of it it's very like 80s neon your dinosaurs are bright pink the cards are like yellow and green and bright pink it's a very cool game it feels good to play if you play the short missions it's really fast it's light i really enjoy it yeah oh i love the color palette man i love how it's like early 90s style um Uh uh-huh and it is one of those Euro games that do feel thematic in a way because you have these visitors, right? They're coming and visiting your park and some of them are going to get eaten. I do like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the two-player version they came out with, Doolasaur Island. I was kind of like, first game, first play of it was cool and then like no replayability. But it, uh, yeah. the, I've only played this 
game once. So would you say the replayability is there more than Dualosaur at least? I think so because every game you have, they're called plot twist cards where you're going to have two and they kind of change the rule of the game just minorly. It's not huge, but like maybe this game, you can only have one specialist instead of three. Maybe this game, um, you're adding, you have hooligans which come to your park and they don't pay and they shove in front of everybody else and it's a problem. Maybe you're going to be putting those into the game slowly instead of all at once. Um, it's a pretty neat... I think the the tweaks on the plot twist cards are small enough that they don't like hugely change the game, but big enough that it kind of changes the feel of it. Um, so if you've got a plot twist that feeds you money, all of a sudden everybody's buying attractions and extra DNA and their stuff's really powerful. Um, it's just kind of a fun... And like I said, if you go for the short missions, it just doesn't last that long. So it's not if you end up in a really bad setup, you're not going to be stuck there for three hours. Um, yeah, I did, think it's it's fun. Did Matt like the game? Uh huh. Yeah, he really liked it. Okay. We ended up joking a lot about you know these dumb people waiting in line while everybody's getting eaten. That kind of surprises. It didn't seem like Matt's game. And to be honest, I kind of miss Matt's hate for games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I think he's a lot less picky about games now. And he does definitely, he still has opinions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he has opinions. I do enjoy Matt's opinions. Um, if you're new to the show, Matt is uh, Justine's husband and our co-host. And he'll be joining us when the craziness stops. Yeah. Well, all right, that was some games that we played. So up next is some games that we're looking forward to. All right. Um, There's a couple of games that I was interested um, in this week. Uh, I saw them on Kickstarter, and actually it's a couple of games that I've backed on Kickstarter for a long time. Uh, one of them is called Mantis Falls. Uh, this was kind of a weird um, decision to back, I guess, but I saw this game and it was doing really well and I was surprised and sometimes I'm surprised at why it's doing really well. Uh, but this time I think hopefully there's something there. It's called, uh, I think I probably said it, Mantis Falls. Um, it's a game where it's a kind of a partnership game i would say they say social deduction but i guess it is social deduction but it's only for two people or three two to three players which is kind of unique uh the theme of the game is kind of this noir theme of uh you've witnessed a crime or something if i remember correctly and you're trying to get to a safe place and just kind of walk throughout the city and there's it simulates a night of you saw the crime the previous evening and you throughout the night you're walking the road to get to a safe place at the edge of the city and escape or something um the catch is uh you could be just a witness which is the 
person well just a person who uh wants to escape or like an accomplice to the murderer i guess so um you don't know if your partner and there's like a 50 50 chance that your partner is uh, more the accomplice or just another witness that's trying to escape so there's kind of this um these kind of trust mechanics where you're not sure if the other person means well for you or not but you're kind of tied together and you should kind of work together to explore like these dark roads or whatever um, with maybe like ambushes or whatever that's uh, people are waiting setting up for you and um, i don't know too much about uh, details about the game but it's basically kind of a lot of cards which do things and uh, there's mechanics where uh, obviously hopefully well designed where it's hidden uh, there's an event which, for example, is going to happen at the end and one person sees it and they can lie about it. Um, so if you actually fulfill the condition, there's some kind of condition. You don't have to actually show the event so you could lie about it and kind of make the other person kind of waste their time. Or you could not lie about it. And um, But if it's fulfilled, I think you don't show it. So there's all these kind of like clever things to... Um, Kind of you have to trust the other person, but you never know uh, kind of a situation. And just kind of the atmosphere of the theme, it looked kind of amateurish. It's actually the first game from this kind of studio, and I think Georgia is, I was looking, I was kind of curious what who these people are. Um, first game from them, so maybe it's going to be a disaster, but should be interesting. So um, I was interested enough to actually back it. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And then the Kickstarter did like they were expecting something like ten thousand dollars or something was their goal. They got like one eighty or one ninety. So it actually did really well. So I think it like resonated with a lot of people. I think they have a soundtrack coming. So uh, the the art production is a little amateurish. I think most of the cards look like this kind of sixties type script with typewriter kind of font uh, and not really great art in my opinion but it's it's cool enough and it should be an interesting enough game so um, I'm kind of interested in those experiments sometimes uh, and this one looks interesting so Mantis Falls the other one, um, I'm actually, I kind of backed it because it's uh, the, the price was right, usually we kickstarted just they ask just ridiculous prices for games. This one was like 30 shipped, I think, or something. And it comes with a card game as well. So I figured, what the heck? Uh, it's Whale Riders. That's a game actually by Reiner Knizia with art by Vincent Dutre. Um, I'm making fun of it because actually I watched one of the reviewers and the guy was uh, super French pronunciation um, heavy. So <laughs> anyway, uh, Well Riders is a game where it looks like a really simple game of kind of just buying cards from card rivers, actually. Uh, so I'm not sure Matt and Justine are going to be really crazy about it. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm joking, but I, I don't think it's... It, I'm, I'm actually not sure if it's even going to be a good game, but I just... I, it looked really interesting to me. I could see it kind of not being so good because it's very simple. You basically go once up and once back uh, along a coast I guess you're riding uh, whales and the ocean is freezing or something so it's really cold but that's like a fantasy theme obviously uh, and you're buying these kind of pearls or just resources and there's some set collection objectives or just kind of a little bit of an engine there of buying things and selling them for higher so you can get more money to buy more things and I think 
most of the game is about these pearls or just kind of set collection objectives, if I remember correctly. But um, it kind of, I think, goes along with uh, lately, I think Reiner Knizia has been going into these kind of lighter games. So I think it's just one of those lighter games where um, I don't expect anything really elaborate uh, from him, but I hope that it will be at least a good game. And that's Whale Riders. That's, yeah. So those are the games I'm looking forward to. Okay. Um, I am looking forward to Alma Mater. So Alma Mater is a game by a whole bunch of Italian designers. Yeah, that's what <laughs> we've looking- sort of said about these guys, right? It's just, uh, and maybe females too are involved. But yeah, yeah. Femina Brassini, or Fem- Feminia Brassini is involved. Um but like I've looked at their design pedigree and they've designed not all of them together, but there's people that worked on Lorenzo. There's people that worked on, um, I think Coloma people that worked on Terramara, which I'm a little skeptical about. Um, so just a whole bunch of games that I've played and really enjoyed. Um, Coimbra, right? Not Coloma. Coimbra. Coimbra. Yeah. It looks like Coimbra too, right? Yeah, it looks a lot like Coimbra. In this game, you are the director of a university. You're, I'm not exactly sure all of the mechanisms. I know there's worker placement. I know there's hand management. I know there's tile laying. But basically, in this game, you're recruiting teachers to come teach at your university. You're trying to pull students into your university. And that's kind of how you're scoring points. It looks like my kind of game the art style the color palette they chose um the books the, right the plastic books people are raving plastic, about that. oh i'm so excited for the plastic books the the style of the drawings for the teachers i am really excited for this game i think between the designer pedigree and the description of this game that i've read and seen i think i'm really going to enjoy this game yeah, I got it on pre-order. You guys pre-ordered it as well, right? Yep, we've Matt. got it on pre-order. Yep. So, fingers crossed. End of the month, hopefully. <clears throat> you know, what's interesting is, um, you know, with everything going on, we didn't have a Gen Con, right? It was online. And uh-huh. a lot of publishers didn't wait necessarily for Gen Con. There's some supposed like Gen Con releases where they just showed them on demos and whatnot on the gen con online and then they're releasing now but it seems like this year is like the year of like games being spread out throughout the year instead of these Mm -hmm. huge clusters which sounds cool it sounds good because you don't you're not overwhelmed by all these games and you have them coming out but for me it's like these clusters i buy all the games i want and then i could allow my wallet to build before the next one it just seems like the there's constant games coming out now that I um, am interested in. And one that I never thought I would be interested in is Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. Now, why I'm, I, I know I could be crucified for this. I'm not <laughs> into Pandemic Legacy. I understand it's a, everybody thinks it's an amazing game and the story is supposedly really good. One of the first like really well-designed legacy games but i don't like pandemic i don't like the theme very much and the mechanics are just not they don't they don't do it for me 
But this one in particular is like spy thriller, spy espionage. And that really intrigues me. And it says that you don't have to play seasons one and two because it's zero. It's like a prequel. So I feel like this might be a good one for me to jump into and try the pandemic legacy, the system, and to see like how the story is. And then if it's like, that was a great experience, then I, maybe I could move on to one and two. I don't even know if I'm going to get season zero. It's, it's, uh, it's just something I'm really curious about. And I've been curious about the Pandemic Legacy games, and this one just seems like a good jumping on point. Pandemic Legacy season zero. Another one that I just saw that I'm very interested in, um, and just Justine mentioned Santorini earlier. Well, they're coming out with Santorini, New York. So in Santorini, you're building those like beautiful white buildings with the blue tops on them. And you're trying to get to the the third level. Is it third? Uh, yeah, yeah. maybe. One, Is it two, four? Three. Yeah, you want to be on top of the third level. That's right. In this one, you're building New York skyscrapers, so like different types of buildings, and you're still trying to get to the you know, the third the third top um, level. Uh, but of course, there's going to be different powers for different characters that you throw in, and they're it's like the same art. But they're like old style New Yorkers. You know, they got their like fedora hats and whatnot. And without looking into it too much, I know that there's a Statue of Liberty that you have to have. So you have to have the Statue of Liberty, I think, in front of you and be on top. So there's an extra obstacle in this game. But I like Santorini a lot. And uh, I think this is a cool setting, New York. So I'm looking forward to it. The last one I'm looking forward to is called Lizard Wizard. Which is just an awful name to me. I get it. It rhymes. <laughs> but it's a uh, sequel to Raccoon Tycoon by Glenn Drover. And it looks very similar where it has the same market system in it. I think the only thing that it doesn't have, it replaces the auction with like this press your luck. Um, reminded me of like Diamant or like welcome to the dungeon where on your turn you could take this turn you know you have like some options six options i think you have um you could manipulate the market and get resources and whatever get some uh special abilities like in raccoon tycoon but one of the options is to go through this dungeon and you flip cards and you could get uh different things and uh i think mainly like gold and points and if you hit two monsters then you're out and you don't get anything so it basically makes raccoon tycoon into a press your luck game so i'm very interested in it and it's like raccoon tycoon where they have except not furry animals it's like lizards but they're like people what do they call that uh anthropomorphic that's right yeah yeah so that's lizard wizard I opened the screenshots for Lizard Wizard on BGG because I saw it on the top 10. And the first card in the card row is steal 20 mana from another player one time. Uh. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. I think it will be an okay game. Uh, the theme of going through a dungeon actually reminds me of Welcome to the Dungeon, which is a game of which I really like. It's a really light, stupid game of like 10 minutes. Uh, but I really like that game, actually. Um, we haven't played it for a long time. I'd forgotten it even existed. 
Uh, but I really like that kind of like it's the same thing. You make a dungeon and then you kind of dare each other to kind of go through it. And if you meet certain monster conditions, you're out. But if you go through it successfully, you win. And if you win twice, you win the game, I think. So it's kind of, yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, looks interesting. I'm bad be willing to try it, but uh, probably not a game I would own. But I'm happy you're getting it. Yeah, you know, my, that's my speciality. <laughs> no, it actually looks fun. Uh, I might be over cautious with these kind of. It's just kind of for me. It's a red flag when I see like a lot of stealing cars, but maybe it's only one of few. Yeah, yeah. Raccoon Tycoon had a questionable building in it, um, and I just take it out honestly because yeah. I've just seen people win the game. Like they get it early game, and it's done. If it comes out early game, if it comes out later game, it's not that big of a deal, but. Yeah, Raccoon Tycoon, the only thing, uh, it was a fine game. The only thing about it is, yeah, some buildings are just kind of really, um, I don't know, if they, not sure if they were very well thought out, but uh, pretty cool systems. I'm happy to see what the next iteration or idea of that system is. All right, so that was some games looking forward to. So up next is Poorly Described Games. All right. I tried to get a little more difficult with mine. I felt like maybe mine were too easy, but maybe they're still too easy. All right, so here's the first one. Oh, if you're new to this segment, this segment's also new to us. Um, we're going to poorly describe a game and everybody else is going to try to guess that game. I'm gonna keep some points, some score for fun, and you at home can play, keep your own score. Hey, and also if you wanna participate, if you wanna email me, some of your poorly described games, you could do so, and I'll, I'll read them out to them. Of course, I'll know the answer. You should include the answer, or else we'll be scratching our heads forever. Um, you could email it to me at cardsandcubespodcast at gmail.com. All right, so here's the first one. Does anybody read the descriptions of these factions? Noobs might think this is like Catan. Don't play with just two. Terra Mystica. Terramiska is correct. Yeah. Were you about to get that, Justine? We should have a buzzer. Justine, are you there? I was about oh. to get it. I had mic problems. Oh, no. Technical <laughs> difficulties. That's okay. stole a point. I bet we shouted it at the same time because Justine like, plays it all the time. So yeah. when you said don't play with two players, I was just instantly like, bah. Um, yeah. Was that was that what gave it away? Kind I of, got, yeah. I got the, does anybody read the descriptions of these factions? Because <laughs> no one does. I did, and I thought they were actually kind of cool. It explains why they could move the way they move. Or build, oh, not, no. not, bu uh, not move, build. Yeah, no, I love them because I'm like super into theme. Um, have you read the descriptions for the fire and ice factions? I've never played with that before. I've, I haven't seen that expansion in front of me so one of one of the new races is a yeti oh that's awesome their power is once they build their stronghold they can use the power actions that have been used already um and they also have like a discount so they're pretty powerful and the description is for why that's a thing is do you want to tell the yeti no <laughs> <laughs> uh, i've actually had this game set up and I've had a, a noob come up and say, oh, is this like Catan? And that's that, uh -huh. so that was why. I think I was in that game with you. Yeah, probably. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what can you do except for laugh and say no? Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing like Catan. You can just tell them, well, there's a lot of games which use hexes. It's kind of a good <laughs> yeah. way to divide the board evenly into spaces. In <laughs> right. To these space but that would just be sound sound nerdy all right give us your hard one yeah um all right so me you'll be leaving people behind the plenty so you can make the castle run in less than 12 parsecs if you like it then you should have put a ring on it but probably early or late oh pulsar 2049 yeah oh Steen got nice. it you put rings on the pulsars and yeah you leave people behind in colonies so you can make the castle run uh by the way pet peeve uh, parsec is a unit of measure for distance so that's like really explained it though really i had to i had to do the exact quote but it just really bothers me every time i see that quote because uh yeah, it's like saying uh, you can make the castle run in less than 12 miles, which doesn't make any sense. But anyway. Yep. I thought you said castle. Solo explained it. Who explained it? Sorry. The new Solo movie. They explained why. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't remember that part, actually. So The huh. Star Wars movie Solo? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't remember that in, either. In A New Hope, Han says he made the castle run in less than 12 parsecs. And for oh. years, everyone's been all about like, well, a parsec is a unit of distance not time and in the solo movie it's because he took a, a shortcut through a thing anyway. oh yeah. i see okay yeah i thought you were saying castle and it really threw me off <laughs> oh yeah it's a star wars quote yeah. castle yeah. castle run in less than 12 parsecs okay are you ready for mine yeah let's do it okay in this game, you have to hoard masks for the coming end of the world. Why don't you have a mask yet? Teotihuacan. This was my worry. It wasn't the one I was thinking of wasn't Teotihuacan. Is it Bora Bora? When Daki has masks. Those you are probably haven't played when really Daki. good guess. It's Tikal. Oh. oh my gosh, that has masks too. Yeah, I completely forgot. You should I have let I, it struggle for a while. <laughs> I thought I should have said um, something about a volcano, but I thought that would make it too easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I completely forgot they call even had masks. I probably would have sat here just like struggling for 10 minutes. No huh. points I, awarded. I, huh? Oh, sorry. Yep, go. Um, okay, this one's really vague. All right. Cubes. Okay. Meeples and death. Cubes. My super initial reaction is a game which you probably haven't played, which is an exploding volcano in Pompeii. Downfall of Pompeii. Downfall by uh, Pompeii, yeah. Probably not that, right? No. But good guess. Cubes, meeples, and death. Uh, well, pandemic. <laughs> There's no meeples in pandemic. Well, the meeples you, the people you move are meeples. Maybe they're mi- yeah, they're ponds. miniature people, ponds. right? But yeah, they're ponds. They're yeah, ponds. Yeah, right. death. There's like that. Is it the, called like meeple war or? No. Does in the year of the dragon have meeples? Gosh, that has uh, some no. death I don't in think it. so. 
What about that? Oh, the other felt game, the Cathedral of God. So you move around in a coach or whatever. Huh? Notre Dame? Yes, Notre Dame. That's what I'm thinking of. It's not a failed game. I'm completely that has the, the plague. Cubes, meeples, and death. You guys are getting closer. You're getting closer. I'm not sure what kind of death it is. Is it a disease type of death, maybe? Hmm. Let me throw in one oh, more. Oh, what about village, actually? I was thinking about village today. It's village. Yes. Oh, I like yes. it. I actually was thinking about making a clue for village today, and uh, oh, funny. yeah, I yep, makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, one clue. of these times we might describe the same game because we can't tell each other what games we're describing. Oh, yeah, that, that'd be yeah. that'd be funny. <laughs> but we, yeah, we should do it anyway. Yeah, definitely. All right, Christo's in the lead. <laughs> All right, um, so my number two, are you guys ready for yeah. it? Yes. What do you mean coins don't have legs? Don't ask where this came from, just eat it. Are you not entertained? Oh, clean up on aisle three. Man, I feel, like, I feel like most of these are metaphors. So. What do you mean coins don't have legs? Don't ask this where this came from. Or don't ask where this came from, just eat it. Are you not entertained? Oh, clean up on aisle three. Huh. You got anything, Justine? I'm blanking. No. Trying to think of like supermarket games, but it could just be a metaphor because I can't think of any supermarket games. At least none that Christo would be interested in. Uh... Unless I'm missing something. The reason you wish coins would have legs is so they can go and buy things themselves without having to be carried. Oh. Is it... So they could go and buy things by themselves without having to be carried. Is it dungeon pets? Yeah, it is dungeon oh. pets. So basically I was yeah, going for like, I get uh, I get you wish you could just three. send coins to buy things and yeah. then you don't ask where the meat came from. You just eat it. You have to entertain your pets and clean up. Yeah. You got to clean up their poop. That's yeah. right. I don't think I'm going to catch up. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Triangle, triangle, omega, backwards, three, arrow. <laughs> Seriously? Trismegistus? Oh. I maybe? No. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Contact? Yeah. Yeah, that was a really first good contact, guess. yeah. I'm on the board. <laughs> Brandon should get this one for sure, because yeah, I had thoughts of contact, but way too late. All when right. he said it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's my last one. 105 dice that's a lot of dice shimmering lights filling up jars jars oh oh, oh, Noctiluca. oh Noctiluna oh he still just barely beat yeah you. he just got it right before me that point eight points for me point two for Justine for delay purposes I had to find it on my shelf so I knew what it was called <laughs> I'll give Christo I actually remember that game pretty I'll distinctly for some reason. I remember playing it and it was just kind of a, kind of a standout because of yeah, lots of dice and it's kind of very colorful. 
I'll give you half a point for that, Justine, because you were okay. You were saying not nah, right when Risto said yeah. Nakaluka. <laughs> I had to find it on my shelf so I could say the right word. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Risto. Okay, so number three. It only makes sense if you think of it as a divine lottery and you're immortal, but you'll be really worried about certain natural disasters while hoping for certain other kinds. Don't wait too long or your payment will be no good. What need do you have for currency anyway? This isn't Bloodborne the card game, is it? No. I don't know if I go with metaphors too much. My games are kind of literal. Certain They're just kind of obscure. Disasters. Okay, so it only makes sense if you think of it as a divine lottery and you're immortal, but you'll be really worried about certain natural disasters while hoping for certain other kinds. Don't wait too long or your payment will be no good. What need do you have for currency anyway? Is it Oracle of Delphi? No. Oracle of Delphi could be done in a human lifetime. It's fine. Uh, it's not Year of the Dragon, is it? No. I'm focusing on the disasters. Let's, I didn't actually do clues this time, but let me think what I can tell you, which makes some kind of sense. So I guess you're hoping for really one natural disaster, which maybe you don't think of it as a disaster, but it involves river in a certain continent. Oh, a um, very right. long river. Uh, yeah, that's actually really close, but not exactly. Uh, there's a game in which your payment becomes no good if you wait too long in Ramon Ray. I guess oh. actually in Ramon Ray is kind I of the you. same. Is it's it? raw. Yeah, it's raw. Oh. So you're hoping for the flood, which is a natural disaster. I think it's kind of funny that I guess you don't think of it as, oh, as yeah, yeah. in that game. And if you think about it, the game like goes on for centuries. I don't even know what the theme is. You're like a god gambling with the fate of humans or something or whatever because you're just like like it goes on i mean maybe years maybe not centuries but you're building up civilizations and they fall down and if you wait too long you're just no you can't buy anything with your money so yeah i don't know why i keep looking at my shelves for the answers to these like you didn't <laughs> use my shelves to write these clues yeah well uh, my my shelf in this in my podcast room is all of my not rejects but i mean like I said, I have Jurassic Park Danger in here. <laughs> <laughs> I have all my Prospero Hall games and party games, so it's like probably nothing you guys would would say. So my yeah, shelf. I would not say a if you're sorry, yeah, if you're looking at your shelves from my clues, you're probably not going to find the games there. Um, actually, Brandon might have find found the clue on his other shelf, I guess, but probably not on that one. Yeah, and yeah, this one, I'm just and in my this one. Room with um board games so once again i'm in a king makey situation if i get this right christo loses if i don't get it right christo wins okay are you ready yeah i can't play with you right now your cage is filthy it's no use getting angry over it dungeon, dungeon pets. pets are you kidding me 
Yeah. Oh, it happened. <laughs> so we had the situation where we described the same game. It happened. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, we I, we both get a point, so that would still we said at the same exact time. So that yeah. puts Fristo in the lead with four, Justine three point five, three and a half points, and me with two. <laughs> All right. It happened. Cool. It happened. That was poorly described games. Up next is our top three, bottom three games we should like, but don't. Yeah, obviously we're saying bottom three. It's a top three, but these are negative games. Um, I think our first, actually, yeah. Definitely our first negative list. We won't have too many of these, but, you know, our last show was games we shouldn't like but do so we're doing a follow-up what do you want yeah i would say it's a negative list yeah and i'd say i have dishonorable mentions ha get it but um i think these games are actually not bad really so i don't want to i don't think our list should be seen as like bad games at least the way i made my list is like the games themselves are not bad i think a lot of people like them it's just that i didn't like them for some reason uh, but that doesn't mean that um someone else wouldn't i think uh, they're actually kind of okay games and for this for certain people yeah i think that's important when we do a negative list is like these are just our opinions and yeah these are games i personally don't enjoy but I don't think they're bad games by any means. Mine is um, it really literal as far as the title of this goes. These are games that I should like, but I don't. Um, one, the, my third one is like a very broad like type of game. I'll get to it when we get there. But um, but they're all good except for one. I would say maybe isn't good. But again, my opinion. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's get it started. Number three. So my number three, and I did this based on like the disparity between how much I should like it and how much I didn't like it, um, is Pret-a-Porter. So this is a game that I was so excited about because the theme really speaks to me. The whole concept of like hand management, resource management, worker placement, all of that is like right up my alley. Um, I love those kind of games. And I don't like this one. <laughs> There's, it's kind of a runaway leader thing. And my biggest issue with it is that you have this runaway leader thing except every other turn the person who's highest on the point track is going to go first i don't like that design decision just boggles my mind i uh, don't like, understand like a rich get richer why. kind of thing yeah so like one turn the lowest on the victory point track goes first that makes a ton of sense you know a catch up mechanic make sure the leader isn't just completely out of the air crazy but then the next turn, the leader gets to go first. So they just take all the best spots. They zoom ahead. Eh, I don't know. 
I was really disappointed with this game. Have you tried I playing? To really like it. Have you tried playing without Fristo? <laughs> uh, Matt does the same thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a trolley game of finding really the powerful card combos and abusing them really hard, and that they can be abused in that game. Yeah, the turn order thing is weird, but uh, whatever. It comes from an uh, it comes from an era where actually uh, the there's a variant, and the variant is just rotate left, which is even more hilarious. So the yeah. first player just like rotates around the table. So I think it just kind of comes from that era, maybe of who cares who first player is. Maybe it doesn't matter, but in that game, it does matter. It matters tremendously. Um, and I would just add, if you are into the theme of like clothes making and dressmaking, Rococo is a much better game to me, of my my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. It's a better balanced and maybe more interesting game. I still don't mind Pret-a-Porter. I really haven't played it that much. Um, the first game was kind of explody. Yeah. I want to actually play it more to see if it keeps happening or is it just like a, new, a first game thing. Anyway, that's pret a All right. Um, my number three is actually Council of Four. When I saw the game, I thought it was going to be really good. Uh, just based on mechanics, it has kind of network building and supposedly kind of engine building because your network is the engine. So you, and I like those things. It had a really car colorful theme. Um, I was looking at the Simon version, uh, which is ridiculously overproduced with just miniatures which are not really necessary but they look good, and the art was really good as well. Uh, overall, I kind of came into the game expecting kind of a pretty fun game. I heard, uh, read and heard reviews that the game is just fun. Um, and yeah, I would say it's fun if you're winning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the game has kind of the same kind of uh, problem, which is uh, I'd say kind of runaway leader as well and also a lot of card luck. I actually don't have too much of a problem with runaway leader games uh, where you can kind of uh, control that by just getting to know the cards better and just preventing that from happening by, well, you being the runaway leader or just kind of a balanced game because everyone knows the cards really well. But I feel like in Council of Four, the only issue is you a lot of your actions or what you can do depends on colored cards that you draw from decks and we've we've talked about this previously but basically it's kind of the ticket to ride system and sometimes you just don't get the right cards and yes there are mechanics which let you kind of force things like combine two colors or whatever if i remember correctly there's a currency where you can kind of exchange cards or cycle these councils where you need to match colors but ultimately i think if you draw better cards um, it kind of makes you build your engine faster and when you build your engine faster it just gets faster because you the more stuff you get the more stuff you get so i i still play it maybe once in a while but definitely kind of not what i was expecting from from the game it was fun like i say maybe fun if you're winning or if you're like in the mix to win but i think if you just get really bad luck with cards and you're out the game is just kind of uh, just sitting there waiting for it to finish basically because you're just kind of it's kind of hopeless there's no real catch-up in that game in any way there's literally no catch-up mechanics so you're just kind of yeah well whatever i 
didn't get uh, my engine going fast enough. Uh, it's still kind of enjoyable to play, but I'd say not what I expected exactly. So that's Council of Four. Yeah, you know, when I, I bought this game, I looked into it before, kind of knew exactly what I was getting into, and it kind of just like delivered exactly what I expected. I, I like it. It's it's fine. Uh, I think we talked about it on the previous episode where I know a couple of people that actually really hate it, and I do understand their points, but I don't hate it, but I, it makes sense to be on this list. My number three is the broad one I was talking about. And it's actually a particular designer that I should like. And I do like when he's paired with another particular designer, who's Simone Luciani. This designer is Daniela Tashini, uh, who actually helped design Council of Four, funny enough. But he did it with Simone Luciani. Now, when those two pair up, I like their games fine. When he's kind of solo or with other people... His games become, to me, very much like chess, a game of chess, and a lot of uh, just unforgiving things that could happen in it, uh, making one wrong move, and maybe you could never come back from it. I'm looking at um, one game that I can't pronounce very well, Tale to Walken. Tale to Walken? Yeah. Yeah, where I just like made one mistake and all of a sudden at the whole game I'm trying to recover from it and just couldn't. So super punishing, very chess-like games. And he seems to be like kind of following on the same theme and I don't really care for the like beige look of the games. And that could not be his fault at all. I don't know how much he has with the production of the game. But I should like his games because they are mechanically pretty sound. But I... I feel like they're missing the magic that possibly Luciani puts into them. And I just kind of get bored with them. And that's not a very popular opinion, but it is my opinion. And that's why it's my number three, Daniela Tashini games. I can definitely get that. Yeah, I I get that as well. I was going to say, I don't know if they are games that I can play all the time, um, I think they are actually games that Matt can play all the time, which is kind of amazing to me because I really kind of get not bored, but just kind of fed up with those games because, like you say, they're kind of very chessy and uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like to have fun with my games once in a while, which is <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of funny, but because those games are not necessarily fun, I would say they're just kind of these exercises of like perfect moves and just supreme like control over what you're doing and can't afford any like missteps and that's just kind of in in a very brown setting usually and that kind of starts to wear on me after a while but yeah so i can totally see what you're saying i still will play them but only once in a while and i think they're good games like you say very very mechanically sound absolutely like well designed just very kind of methodical brown and you have to better better, better be careful you know, and yeah. you better know what you're doing exactly i agree i i really like tashini's games but i can definitely see how they could be very difficult yeah all right moving on Number two. My number two is Terra Mara. This is, we talked about it a little bit earlier uh, in regards to Alma Mater having some design pedigree in common. 
I want to like this game. Again, it's another one. It's, you know, prehistory fits right into the themes that I tend to like worker placement. Um, it's got this really neat idea of being able to go forward, but you're sacrificing those workers until you, time catches up with you. <sighs> I think it has the same problem as Predaporte. I have a really tough time with like runaway leader games. Um, especially games where you just feel like you don't have the ability to stop the runaway leader. They just got better cards than you. Um, yeah. I want to like it. It looks like a game I should like. It feels like a game I should like. And when I'm playing it, I kind of don't get why I don't like it. But <laughs> I always just end up feeling defeated after. Like, it's just kind of not fun. Um, yeah, I was... I know I'm... Sorry, go, huh? ahead. go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, Matt loves it. I think Caristo loves it. I just, I don't have fun playing it. I just get frustrated and angry, and I don't want to play a game that makes me angry. I don't think I've ever heard Caristo describe a game as with the word love in it, but... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I consider it a really good game from what I've seen so far. Uh, I really was looking forward to it, and it actually kind of delivered exactly what I was expecting. I can see what Justine is saying, though, because the game is very kind of cutthroat and very trolly, and if someone knows what they're doing, they can just completely just destroy you in all kinds of ways, one of which is to steal resources from you, which is even more trolly in that game, so it's like a runaway leader that's actually stealing from you, which sounds like a lot of fun, right? No, I, I think the, the game is... Um, I used to think it's kind of someone gets ahead and they stay ahead um i had a game where that wasn't necessarily the case i think it's one of those games where you kind of should know what the combos are again and i kind of like those games with where you kind of need to know the combos um and they are powerful if you can put them together um but no, it's it's an interesting game to me. But yeah, I can totally just also see Justine's perspective on it. Yeah, I, I was excited I, about this game because of the designers. And uh, it, it followed up from Coimbra, which I really liked. Uh, I don't dislike this game. I thought it was pretty neat, but it was forgettable for me. Like I played it once and was like, that's pretty good. And then I, I just completely forgot about it until you just mentioned it right now. Yeah. I just don't have patience for these kind of games, I think. I don't have the patience to, like, study and memorize the combos and know what's out there. I just, yeah, maybe it comes from Race for the Galaxy and just kind of my heritage with those kind of games. Anyway, yeah, that's Terramara. All right, uh, my second, my number two is uh, Pipeline... Uh, when it came out, I was interested in it because it just ticks a lot of boxes that I usually like. Um, kind of a, a tighter game uh, with as far as resources go. Uh, tile lane game, which um, looked interesting. Uh, economics, uh, just kind of a lot of like uh, production chain planning, which uh, again, like just sound like it, it just ticks a lot of boxes for me. When I played it, I think it's actually still a good game like there's nothing wrong with the game to brandon's point to mechanically very sound uh to me it just is missing kind of the fun element and to the point where it's just excessively rough it's just like uh 
I think it's like almost the opposite of fun when you play that game. And yeah, some people enjoy that feeling of just like struggle, but the whole game is just like too much struggle for me. It's almost kind of weird because I I like some punishing games out there um, and games where just you have to just do a lot of planning. Um, but this one, the it's just kind of uh, I, I, for me it's just the opposite of fun um, the, the, the game has a lot of kind of powerful things you can do but they come in very late and you spend the game just like struggling I would describe it as just a struggle you're constantly in debt uh, you have 18 actions in the whole game and one of the actions is to get a loan and the loan's like a measly what is it $40 or something and it's just like a joke it's almost like designers like Haha, you're like poor and you suck and um uh, I hope that's enough to get you through the first eight turns where you're barely going to be making just zero. And by the time the game is over, you can run your actual engine one time. I just thought, like, maybe coming in, I thought there was going to be more engine running and just kind of a lot more, like, kind of, like, get stuff. And, yeah, I have stuff, and I'm running production in factories. The game kind of starts you in a very kind of negative position, I would say, or just very, like, precariously negative leaning position and you have to constantly dig yourself out of that position until by the end of the game you're actually making money but for the last like three of 18 turns or something um couple that with just some really really rough long-term planning things that if someone just puts a wrench in your uh, system of getting the right tiles it's just like a ridiculously long-term planning uh, kind of a you're just suffering through having no money and long-term planning and hopefully it all works out and if it works out yeah the feeling is really good um and i have had good games of the few games i've played of that game but it just kind of every time the name is mentioned it just kind of kind of just reminds me of no fun really um <laughs> for me personally like i say i know a lot of other people might like that kind of uh, experience but not not me so much so that's pipeline yeah uh not a lot of satisfying moments in this game and i if they renamed it drowning i would uh i would think that that would be an appropriate name for it because i felt like i was drowning the whole time in the game but it's a good game justine i know justine and matt like it right a lot yeah we really like it i think i don't i'd play it for a player again if other people wanted to play it but i really liked it at two it tightens up just enough that you don't feel like you're like wide open but also it's still just as punishing but it doesn't last as long um yeah i get why people hate it it's I don't want to say it's not fun because it's really fun and interesting to me and to Matt, but yeah, it, you're not going to get into it and have like these big satisfying turns where you get to make a whole bunch of money and get a whole bunch of points. Like you are going to be eking out what you can in a slow, steady manner. Yeah. It, yeah. It's uh hurts my brain. All right, my number two is Root. Also not a popular opinion, but I'm okay with it. I should like this game because essentially, underneath the skin, it's a war game, really. I mean, you have these different factions, and they're all asymmetric, 
kind of like most war games. But the reason why I really don't like Root, and it's not that I don't like Root. I think it's a good game, and I did enjoy my plays of it. The reason why I just don't want to look at it or hear about it ever again (laughs) is because of the different games you're playing. The asymmetric, they took the asymmetric thing to the next level. And now every single person is playing pretty much a completely different game. And although that is the appeal of it, and I could see if I was in a tight-knit group of gamers, like if it was just the podcast, like just the four of us, and we got to play Root over and over and over again, I bet it would be a game I really like. But that's not my situation. That will probably never be my situation. So the situation would be anytime this game hits the table, not only what I have to teach up to like four, five different games, but everyone who's played it has to hear the teach again. And now this is, this happens with games, you know, there's always going to be one person that hasn't played the game before, but I don't have to explain to him multiple games in one. And that's what I have to do. You have to understand how the other factions work to be able to play the game. To understand how the factions work, I have to teach you that game. So I have to teach like a bunch of games in one or sit through a bunch. And the teach is just like massive to me. And uh, Vast could fall under this category as well. Oath looks similar, um, but it I think it's a legacy style game. And Oath actually sounds kind of interesting because what it says is that it's a legacy game, but you're not destroying anything and it just progresses the game. So I could play Oath solo for seven days in a row and then bring it and play with you guys and have that set up. So it just sounds like veritable setup that you control while playing the game. So that sounds interesting, but it is probably going to be one of those asymmetric games. That's what leader games focuses on. And that's what turns me off of it. Now, I should say that Fort is coming out by Leader Games, and I did pre-order that, and that's not like these games. And I hope that Fort gets popular because I think that Leader Games is really innovative, and I want to see them innovate games in a different way. So that's why I'm really excited about Fort, but that's why I'm less excited about Root, and that's why it's my number two. Yeah, I can totally see what you're saying about Root. I think Root is not a game you would introduce to new people. And yes, I didn't really have a good game of Root until I'd played all factions at least once. uh, Because you have to, I'd say, not even understand how they work. I think you have to know, like... How to stop the other uh, how factions, they right? play and yeah. how they score. The, what's the most challenging in the game? What the, the most challenging thing in the game is some factions don't actually play on the board so much, and you like a new person is looking at the pieces on the board, and that's really deceptive. I think the pieces on the board sometimes mean nothing. Like oh, yeah. they, certain factions have difficulty moving those pieces. They don't really score with pieces that much. It's just kind of a deceptive thing. So you just have to know all the weird mechanics in it. And yeah, with new people, that game is an absolute disaster, I would say. But I think it gets good if, they, like you say, there's a tight-knit group or just people have played before. That's when you actually have a good game of it otherwise i think it's just a waste of time or just kind of a struggle and yeah now i know how these people work and 
uh, we'll have a better time next time. Yeah, so, yeah. I was yeah. about to win, right? I was like, I'm so close to winning. I think I'm going to win this game. The player that introduced the game to us just quickly stopped me. I had no idea he had that ability. I didn't know he could stop yeah. this, and it happened. And and I I wouldn't have known that unless I went through all of his cards, you know. So yep. like, yeah. I was a noob playing it, and it was a real is a bummer. Second time I played yeah. it, I I didn't have any more understanding than I did the first time I played it. To be honest, you know, yeah, like it's a really fascinating system and really cool though when it works. But for it to work, you need people who have played the game a lot, and it's kind of a self fulfilling, I don't know or what to call it, but it's like a negative loop. The first few games you just play with. Uh, people or introducing people you're gonna have bad game after bad game so yeah it's it's a weird one if i had this game in my 20s when i was only playing risk which is a terrible (laughs) game but i didn't know uh and but i was only playing one game over and over and over again if that was introduced to me then oh my gosh i would have been blown away by this game and not to say that when i played it i wasn't like wow this is really cool and this is really interesting it's just really a personal preference of mine which if I'm going to play a game multiple times, it's probably going to be spread out over time with new players every time. That's like my situation always. And this does not fit in that situation like whatsoever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really bad game for new players all the time. Justine, do you have any thoughts of Root? Um, No, I just agree with everything you guys said. I think it's a game that you can play if you have an established group of people that really enjoy it. But yeah. Like go, taking it to a board game meetup, terrible plan. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be planned. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. Number one. So my number one, and it hurts my heart to say it, and Matt's gonna kill me, is Black Angel. Um, oh. This. <laughs> I know. And it was another one that I was so excited about. So this is like the successor to Twa. It has kind of the same dice drafting mechanic. It set in space, which I mean, I don't mind space games. They're still kind of fun. It's not like a theme that reaches out and grabs me. But there's just some things about this game that I don't like. Like, I just don't have fun playing it. Um, I love Twa. I anytime anyone wants to bring that out, I will definitely play it. Black Angel, I don't know. I maybe it's the theme I'm into in Twa. You throw a spaceboard on there and drive little robots around in spaceships, and I'm out. Um, another thing is is there's a way to end the game if you want to by putting out um, enemy cards onto your ship. After a certain number of enemy cards, the game's over, and whoever wins, wins. And there's no way really to fix it, unless you just want to stop everything you're doing. Uh, Black Angel just makes me sad. I want to like it. I really do, and I don't. I didn't know it was that bad. No, the game actually kind of uh, feels lifeless to me, and that's kind of funny because it's in space and we're robots, and it maybe should feel lifeless, but it's not really funny because it just feels really... It just feels really kind of mechanical and not fleshed out, and I think some of the ideas don't really pan out very well, like the whole mechanic of landing on planets. It 
just was like kind of sounds cool and maybe is cool but is does it really work very well i don't know i'm not sure if any actually a lot of the things in the game in that game work very well they um it's almost kind of weird to say because supposedly the game was in development for what is it 10 years or something but maybe yeah. uh it kind of shows you that maybe it should have stayed in development or something because it, uh, i don't know it feels just like kind of like a bunch of ideas put together and they don't really flow very well into each other i think and it just doesn't feel like they're it doesn't almost feel like it's finished or something in a way there's just something missing i don't know i don't know how to describe it uh especially in contrast contrast with Twa. uh we actually by the way side note played in the expansion to Twa, the ladies and uh, whatever it's called ladies the, the side the sideboards of walking around the forts and whatever and that's actually a really cool experience i think i would probably prefer to play with the expansion pretty much always um but yeah, Twa just feels like you're kind of like together and you're doing stuff and it feels like you're like defending the city together and like the incentives in Black Angel are just so weird and like maybe someone doesn't care about the city, uh, the city, the ship getting destroyed and they're actually a actively trying to destroy it, which is just really weird. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's almost like I would say a mess in a, in a word. Maybe that's a little too harsh. I think it's there's still a game there, um, but it just feels like things don't really like pan out in Black Angel the way I wanted them to. It's maybe kind of over too quickly, which it's still like a normal length game, so it shouldn't really be longer than it is. But it feels like it should be. I don't know. It's it's. I have a really weird feeling about Black Angel because mechanically maybe it's okay it just kind of doesn't gel and have magic for me for some reason so yeah <clears throat> yeah i would say it's like um it's like terra mystica and gaia project for me where i see gaia project as a good game i just like terra mystica better i i feel like this is the same thing where maybe a little bit convoluted they took a good idea and added more things to it and this one maybe not as fleshed out as gaia project but I like the originals on both better because they just feel more streamlined. But I have to say that Black Angel to me was actually really fun. It got my imagination going where I'm like, there's the ship and we're inside the ship and I could send robots outside of the ship and they come from my board, which is inside the ship, to outside the ship on the community board. And I actually had a lot of fun with it. However, I only played once and in my game, the ship got to the planet which was better because you, um, if you don't make it to the planet, certain elements don't score. And that could be a bummer because you might be building up to them. But uh, I, I had a good experience with this game. But again, I only played it once, so I don't know if my mind would change elsewise. But I was excited and I liked the theme. And the theme actually, maybe for only me, uh, came through. And that probably helped a bit. So my number one is King's Will. Um, that is a game which was not even published in the US, I think, when we played it. And I think still probably not published in the US. I think it's only been uh, published in Europe. The game is in English, though. So I think maybe it's a German copy which has English. But we were joking at the time. Um, 
that it's the only copy in North America or something um, because the person in our group bought it from um, just an eBay seller, I think, who maybe imported it from Europe is my guess. But anyway, King's Will is, I'm not sure how to even describe the game. It's kind of um, a game of tableau building. You're building kind of a, your land, I guess, which has farms and buildings and stuff, and you allocate workers to those lands and you produce there's also some kind of card effects, if I remember correctly, uh, on your tableau. But ultimately, the game is actually about fulfilling these scoring conditions, which are on cards, which is why it's called the King's Will. The King wants some things to be done, but uh, you know only, I think, two of eight of them. So there's uh, eight scoring conditions altogether. You know two. They're all kind of not shuffled, but just put down on a board. Um, if, if I remember correctly how it works. And they're all going to happen. It's just that you don't know all of them. So it's a type of game where you should kind of watch what other people are doing because maybe they're collecting a certain type of resource and that resource is going to be scored at the end of the game or whatnot. Um, or there's a mechanic where you can just literally look at cards. But from what I remember, you can really not look at all cards uh, in the game. Um, it's very kind of limited information, and actually, there is. If I remember, there's a uh, correctly. There's a fine mechanic where you can apply for a scoring condition, like make it happen to you. Maybe they're not all on. I think maybe um, you have to put your discs next to them. And if I remember correctly, there was not really enough time, so you have to kind of blindly put your disc next to a scoring condition for it to happen to you. Uh, nevertheless, I really like that system. I think that's the main draw of the game for me, is um, I kind of like those games like Twa where there's scoring conditions dealt to players and you don't know all of them, but you know one, maybe a four, or that and everyone knows one of four. They're all going to happen, but you only know one, so you kind of have to watch people and follow them. Um, the kind of really big disappointments for me in King's Will is the way you do actions in the game is driven by this row of tiles. And the row of tiles uh, is kind of Puerto Rico style. I think you select one and you move it to the front. And if you select a, a later one, if I remember correctly, you get some kind of a bonus or you're kind of incentivized to choose a later one. And they, I think they get either revealed or moved or something, or there's a tile which kind of moves through the line. And when it hits the front, the, the round is over. Um, so I think ever since I played that game, or maybe even before, I, I have had a problem with kind of... Uh, or I have a problem with people controlling the length of the game because what happened in the game was just kind of really kind of upsetting. Uh, I was working, it's kind of a planning game as well, so I have to kind of plan for the future kind of through a sequence of actions which you need to do to prepare for conditions or whatever. I think uh, someone may have not even liked the game or something or they just decided it would benefit them and they just decided to end the game kind of early. And uh, kind of goes around the table the power to end the game early in effect because all you need to do is I think select a certain tile and that pushes that end of round tile to the front of the line if you select the one before it because it just constantly kind of like slides through. Um, so if someone just decides to have a really short round, they can just keep taking tiles, and even if they lose the game, they can just really rush it to where it just kind of becomes um, 
just kind of meaningless because no one's really going to be ready for hardly any conditions. Very chaotic. So my huge disappointment is actually uh, players controlling the length of the game. So I think ever since then I've realized that maybe I don't like games where there can be kind of surprise endings or there's actually few of them which had the same thing, just kind of roll to roll a die to see if the game is over and the game has like a lot of planning and just engine stuff and it's like, are you kidding me? The game is over right now? Like, what a joke. And I really kind of favor games where the round length is set or like predictable-ish. I'm fine with some variation, but like not a variation of is this game going to be five rounds or 15, you know, which uh, technically could be the case in something like Feudum or King's Will or whatever. So if players kind of cooperate, uh, not cooperate, but I guess cooperate, if players just decide to, they can have a really kind of a longer game where everyone kind of does what they need to or someone could just decide to end it early. And I think it's just as detrimental to them as anyone else. So that just makes it just kind of just really kind of a chaotic, horrible feeling of not having done what you needed to do, basically, in the games, in the game. And maybe not through a fault of your own or like lack of planning for you. But um, overall, kind of that was just a disappointment. I... Um, I'm not even sure if there's a good game in there. Maybe there's a good game if your group is really kind of cooperative and maybe, I don't know. I'm not sure what's needed to have a good game in that. We only played it one time, so that's maybe just a really kind of bad experience for the one time we played it, but it kind of made me not really want to try it again. I kind of saw what it is, and the ideas are really cool, and it sounded really good on paper. It sounded amazing on paper, so there was just this huge like jarring of like, wow, this sounds really cool on paper, and there's all these things you can do, and like the reality is just super rush and someone can just decide to end the game early and kind of chaos so it's kind of a disappointment for me but the king's will that's it number one yeah weird game that was a weird game uh what i remember is jacob our old host of this um bought it because he heard Risto talking about it and i remember him bringing it to meet up and Risto was like what the heck you bought that i don't know if it's going to be good <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's kind of how it turned out Kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, it just looked interesting and I really like those interesting games where they're trying new things and that game is trying some new things, I think, or was. And in this case, I'm not sure if it worked out. I'd, I'd say more no than yes, but very kind of unique. Um, not really, yeah, not really. You kind of don't see a lot of the things that game does with in other games. All right. So my number one is more of a disappointment than anything else. But I, I, I should like it for certain reasons that I'll get to. Um, I bet you guys can guess what this is. Can you guess what it is? Huh. A game just... I was really looking forward to, thought it was going to be the one, and it wasn't. Uh, escape plan? No. No. No, that would be... Yeah, that would be probably... Okay, I for this list, don't but know I if that's like a it. number one. No, not number one. Yeah, no. Disappointed no, game. It's not. kind of not the best, but I think it's not that bad. So yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Abomination, heir to Frankenstein. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yep, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, this game I was looking forward to because I'm a huge horror fan, really big horror fan. Have been since I was a kid, 
And I wanted the love of my board game obsession and my horror obsession to meet. And I, I've been saying this since we started the show. Like, I want a serious Euro-style horror game. There's plenty of horror board games out there, but none of them are this serious. Like, okay, so a lot of them aren't serious in the way of like serious, like kind of gory or adult themed and not adult, like naughty, like adult, like, um, like, you know, not for kids because maybe the concept goes over their head or like gory also not serious as far as like gameplay goes. And this one seemed to have all of that. And I was so stoked about it. Cause I was like, here it is. This is the one. And we played it and it just didn't do it for me. Now the theme, why should I like this? Obviously the theme, and you, I, I really like that you're going out and getting cadavers to build a, 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 a Frankenstein's monster kind of thing. And you have these tiles on your board that will um, they'll come on your board with muscle. Then you flip them and they got skin on them. And then you roll dice to try to uh, like bring them to life, um, which is one of the parts of the game that I don't like because you could just like kill your parts by just a dice roll. And it's really neat that you're going out to get these parts. You could go to the graveyard and get old parts and bones. You can go to uh, the morgue and get a bit of a fresher body. Uh, you can go kill somebody in the back alleyway, which is really brutal and get like a super fresh body and blood. It's like one of the only ways you get blood and the cards are like disturbing looking. They're like dead bodies. Like it's definitely not for kids. Like, so they got that right. But the game just seems so random and drawn out. And that was like one of my main things about this game is that it just was like dragged. And you're kind of doing the same thing over and over again. It's a worker placement game and you're going to these spots and collecting these things. And it's like recipe fulfillment, which is another thing I should enjoy because I love the recipe fulfillment. But this just wasn't satisfying. And the randomness and the dice roll really hurt me. Like I just didn't like that aspect of it at all there's some variants that i was hoping would fix the game it came with some in the rule book that we tried that didn't really fix the game Christo actually went and found an official variant that he printed out for me that we tried that way also made it a little better but didn't fix it so i still wait for that perfect serious uh, Euro style horror game, but this one wasn't it. Abomination haired Frankenstein. And that's why it's my number one. I was actually curious what the scores for it are currently, and it's still at seven seven point six, which is pretty high. And I went in on BGG just kind of to browse through, and all the high scores are like theme, 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 theme. So it's like, <laughs> I guess you rate it highly for the theme, but I would say the mechanics are not really there. Yeah, I would agree. Theme pretty spot on but it just mm -hmm. feels like you're doing the same thing every turn yeah yeah really and very long from and, what i yeah. remember it's kind of drawn out more than it should be now it's still it's still in my collection because my wife was also excited to play it she likes board games and horror movies as well so maybe come this halloween season um i'll teach it to her and we'll play it and maybe i'll have different feelings about it i doubt it but i hope so maybe if it's just her and i and we're not taking it too serious and we're getting more into the theme and you know it's around the haunted season although I, we did play it last last halloween so that was still there but yeah i doubt it but i'm i'm gonna give it another try because they got the theme so right and maybe it won't drag as long 
with two players i don't know because i don't i don't remember the end game condition it it is actually player driven right yeah i think someone uh, animates their monster probably i think or like what is it a really long number of rounds if i remember correctly like it's either or, or right yeah i think you either yeah play... i think whichever yeah. comes first right which is just that just the game design makes it kind of slow and methodical build up because you kind of the, your build up is very slow. I think the shortened variant was basically you start kind of with a body already there, so oh, yeah. like one half of it or something. So basically, mm -hmm. it cuts out like six rounds or something where you're just getting parts and slowly putting them together into. It kind of just cuts out like six rounds of the game, if I remember correctly. Which is the way that I would play if I played it again. Yeah, I'm kind of curious what you think of it when you play with two. Maybe it's maybe the two-player game is better. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, do we have any dishonorable mentions? I I don't actually. <laughs> I don't. Um, I'd say just uh, Cooper Island and Carthago Merchants and Guilds. Um, Cooper Island is actually an okay game. I'd still play it once in a while. It's just kind of um, not enough actions in that game, and maybe that's fine for some people, but to me it kind of goes into that pipeline overly restrictive. I think like Capstone games for some reason comes to mind. They just do a lot of those games where you just have very few actions and you better do something meaningful with each one uh, because the games are just over very quickly. Uh, Carthago was just kind of too random for me. Um, overall, that's my impression of it. I was expecting kind of a nice, uh, kind of more controlled, I'd say, card game. And yeah, I had a lot of concerns with the random like flips of fighting ships, but overall the game is just kind of just has a lot more chaos than I expected. But yeah, no, I kind of overall kind of a negative list. But like I say, my games are actually not bad at all. Like I can see um, looking at them that some people might really like them. They might really work for some groups. Uh, so they might even be some people's one of their favorite game or whatever. Uh, they just don't appeal to me for just a variety of reasons. I'm trying to see if I played Cooper Island. I can't remember. Um, I don't think you did. I think Justine and Matt yeah, brought it a I few times, and I it was only me that played it. I don't know who else played it at that time. No, but I, yeah. I remember the three of us playing like a couple of games of it. Yeah, I've definitely never played this. I'm looking yeah, at it now. I want to keep giving it a try. Um, yeah, maybe I'll give it a try sometime again. Just, uh, but it just felt like I don't know. I wanted it to be three times as long, maybe, or just to feel like it's three times as long in a weird way. It's kind kind of over too quickly and very kind of rough in some ways. I was googling Cooper Island board game and uh, Fireball Island, the original one, came up for a hundred and ninety dollars. <laughs> the huh. original nineteen eighty six. You got to be super nostalgic to get that and not the better recent edition from Restoration yeah. Games. <laughs> anyway, really? um, yeah. uh, but I did play Carthago and I own that game and I actually like it. I understand your complaints. Those complaints are definitely valid, but uh, but I don't know that some reason that game just rubs me the right way. I just like really like that really elaborate kind of almost like not goofy kind of like is the word but it's a little messy it could be a little messy but i mean it's a it's a it's one of those card games that didn't have to be a card game it could have been a could it could have been easily been a board game yeah yeah all right so that's our show we'd like to thank Lindsay hobbs for composing the theme 
Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. You can check out her art at Cat Coffee. That's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E at Instagram. Uh, Cards and Cubes has been a Pod Cauldron production. Check out some other great podcasts on the Pod Cauldron Network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, and Rabble, 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 a comedic look at current events. Thank you, and we'll see you in a couple weeks.